There's no way out I've got to show them what I've become There's no doubt Got my back to the wall And I'm still hanging on There's no way My life have been all the same With a strain in my mind Getting hurt again There's a pain in my heart But it's just a game Gotta get over it Won't go insane Won't achieve anything While I'm down Don't wanna give out My heavyweighted frown I'm stopping this now I'ma turn it around Heavens on the ground Now I'm looking at the clouds Gonna make a change Like a change Bigger getting changed Gonna stay the same With my mind frame rearranged Gonna wash the blue Out my mind And my eyes Was I blind in my mind Cause that was old times Cause I'm starting fresh With a clear vision You can even spell my name In optimism Just track the M's And I and the P And then what you're left with Is me no way out I've got to show What I've become There's no doubt Got my back to the wall And I'm still hanging on There's no way out I've made my choices Where I belong There's no doubt When the road gets the back My hands strong Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to tonight's episode of the Zod Rider Show. I am Zod Rider, and I want to just extend extend the red carpet to my fellow Star Trek fan over here who has decided to join me for tonight. This is Brian, Master of None. He is here to talk to me about the uh, CBS All Access Star Trek TV show, Lower Decks. Brian, welcome to the Zod Rider Show. How are you today, man? I'm doing really good, man. Thanks for having me on. Man, it's 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 always awesome to be able to have somebody on who wants to talk about Star Trek. I haven't done a, a Star Trek-centric Zod Rider show in forever, and I'm really excited to do this. And one of the main reasons I invited you on, aside from the fact that you're an awesome person, but the other whole main reason was because you, it was because of you that I decided to give star trek lower decks a try because you know for those that don't know you know brian and i have gotten to know each other a little bit through uh various other live streams that we've done together on youtube uh particularly with mad max and, and various other people and you know we kind of the first time we met uh brian and i kind of got into a little bit of banter back and forth over our opinions on on star trek you know, uh, Brian is a little more forgiving of new Star Trek, uh, well, uh, newer brand branded Star Trek uh, than I am. So we've kind of, <laughs> so we've kind of gone back and forth a little bit on that. But he convinced me to take a look at Lower Decks by saying, you know, a lot of people tend who don't really care for new Trek. I believe the words you said were kind of are kind of okay with Lower Decks. They tend to like it. So I figured I'd give it a shot. And after watching a couple episodes, I instantly decided that I would want to do an episode of uh, the Zod Rider Show with you, Brian, to finally uh, talk about it and talk about all things Star Trek. So, why don't you? Can you give us a little bit of a background about 
uh, what Star Trek means to you and how you started out as a Star Trek fan. Yeah, um, let's uh, hop back into the time machine to um, uh, early to mid nineties, uh, ninety three, ninety four. Um, I, I first started out as a Star Wars fan, so you know the action, explosion, stuff like that. Um, at the time, uh, Deep Space Nine was just getting started, and um, I had caught a couple episodes. Um, I had never really watched it before. The original series, um, my, that was my dad's show, so I never, I never really found it that entertaining. Uh, so after watching a couple episodes of that, um, I got turned on to some of the movies. Um, I watched uh, Star Trek Wrath of Khan, you know, uh, Voyage Home, all that good stuff. And from that moment on, I was hooked. And gratefully, at the end of the day, when I'd get home from school, Next Generation would be on. So I caught every single episode of Next Generation. Um, Deep Space Nine was running, and I caught it as it ran. When Voyager came out, I watched that. So as far as like eras of Trek is concerned, I really, really like the Next Generation era, um, as opposed to like the original series slash movies. Um, I think it, it's it's something that if they would have just stuck with. Instead of going the prequel route, route on certain on certain areas, I think it would have been a lot better. But um, as far as uh, the newer iterations of Star Trek, um, I kind of got turned off by Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, after I saw that movie, I, I didn't. I kind of just walked away for a little bit because it just. It was too much like Rathacon. Uh, the end just made me mad because all they did was flip the glass. So by the time Discovery and Picard had come out, it had given me a chance to cool off. And uh, so I was open to watching some of Discovery, uh, especially season two. Season one of Discovery wasn't that great. Um, it, it seemed like they were just trying trying too hard. Um, and one of the things that I've noticed as of late anyways, is that there, there's, there's been this weight of seriousness, um, as far as Star Trek is concerned. And I think if you want, especially with the next generation, certain episodes of deep space nine, they had a lot of levity in those shows, which I don't see very much of, especially like watching Picard and stuff. Cause that show is really heavy. So by the time lower decks came out, I, I, I kind of rolled my eyes like everybody else and was like, uh, you know, I, I, I just don't know because Rick and Morty, I, you know, I'm not that interested, stuff like that. But I gave it a shot. And um, the first thing I thought of was that I think people are taking Star Trek a lot more seriously than intended. I think I have to intended. I have to agree with you, Brian. I think I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm a little bit guilty of that. And it's so funny because. That's the only place, it's like where you and I start to really diverge. Like, growing up, I was a huge, huge fan of Star Trek. I actually consider my, considered myself to be more of a Star Trek fan than a Star Wars fan. I was a Star Wars fan, I was a Star Wars fan first as a child, but then growing up, as, as I got a little bit older and as I got into my teens, Star Trek started to have more of a of an appeal to me because of the you know intellectual elements and all of the you know the science as well as the as the as the gripping adventure stories and various great great philosophies and 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 brilliant some of the most brilliant writing we we we, we would ever have as you know science fiction fans and frankly for me i i've always considered myself to be an original series fan 
more than anything else. Although, as time went on, for me, Next Generation, uh, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager have all earned a special place in my heart, and I love all of those series, especially now. Because yeah. what what hap- what happens what happened for me and this is this is really really interesting too. It's like I I kind of for me I I loved uh, Next Generation. I was I was I became a huge Next Generation fan and and loved loved that as well and got to the point where I almost love Next Generation as much as the original series. But then you know when we get into like Deep Space Nine and and Voyager. Deep Space Nine blew me away because yeah. I'm a big because I you know full disclosure for everybody everybody that listens to this show knows how big of a Babylon Five fan I am. I love Babylon Five. It's a fantastic series. And little fun fact for people that don't know, Babylon Five was almost a Star Trek show, and people a lot of people don't know that. But then when Deep Space Nine came out, there were a lot of you know. A lot of people made some comparisons, and at some point, some people said, well, this series copied this series, and then it kind of had a little bit of a back-and-forth rivalry. But in my opinion, Deep Space Nine is its own thing. It's a, it's a completely different entity from Babylon 5. Being a huge, huge Babylon 5 fan, I was able to appreciate Deep Space Nine for the differences and the and you know the aesthetics that it brought to the table, as well as its own really, really compelling and wonderful story. So, I'm a huge Deep Space Nine fan, like you, Brian. I love Deep Space Nine. I I cried during the last episode of Deep Space Nine. I I am it, it, it is a wonderful series. So I put it up there. I put it up there with the with uh, the original series and Next Generation. And now now Voyager. Eh. I'm a little bit, I'm a yeah. little bit like I I I, lo- I love it, but then at the same time, not as much as the others, and I really don't know why. I kind of, I think you know, I think the acting was good, but I think some of the writing, particularly in the later seasons of Voyager, kind of suffered. So I, I I'm I'm a little bit you know, so I I kind of, for in my opinion, out of like the original original eras of Star Trek, for me Voyager is kind of is kind of the worst one. Because then you yeah, get Star Star Trek Star Trek Enterprise. What did, what did you think of Star Trek Enterprise? Um, I didn't see it during its original run. Uh, okay. Because at the time I was like playing football and stuff. I was in high school, so my mind was in uh, other uh, departments, as it were. Um, but I, I watched it again uh, with Netflix, and um, I was blown away. Really sad that the show got canceled after four, well, three and a half seasons, basically. Um, and the ending was kind of disappointing. Uh, oh god, that last episode hurt my feelings when they yeah, say, when I'm they the used like guy. the when they used like the the next generation for that last episode. I don't even consider the last episode a part of Enterprise. I feel yeah. like the la- the last episode was almost like a pilot episode for like a Troy and Riker Titan series. That they never they decided to never do. Yeah, that was kind of like what I thought. I'm like, oh my god, are they going to do? That was the one thing that got me excited about that episode because I thought, oh my god, maybe they're going to do a Troy, a Troy and Riker Titan thing, but they never did. It just they just decided, oh, we're going to you know, 
And I was like, and so then I started to think, I started thinking really meta. And I was like, well, gee, does this mean that the entire series of Enterprise was just a holodeck, um, was like a holodeck reenactment for Riker? Is that what this is? I mean, I I got really, (laughs) right, I got really irritated. I got, I started to think like, I'm like, oh my God, they might as well, yeah, like you, I'm like, they might as well have given Riker a role as the chef throughout the entire show. And that would have been a little bit of a hint, okay, this is a holodeck simulation. Because if there's one thing that Next Generation and Voyager did a lot of, they spent a lot of time in the holodeck. There were... Oh, yeah, especially there Voyager. Were, there, yeah, oh, my God. Like, that's how, you know, Voyager was Voyager was suffering as a, as a series. Be, and you, you could tell because they had to come up, they, all they could come up with was all these holodeck uh, filler episodes. And it was just kind of like, I love the concept of the holodeck. I'm a big fan and oh, yeah. you know uh, a virtual reality i love but used the... sparingly though that's, right that's... right like like let let's be honest brian a lot of us would if we had access to holodeck we'd be on vacations all the time we'd be doing all kinds of fun stuff you know the the, the holodeck is a is such a such a brilliant concept and i, I feel like we're going to get to a point where you know virtual reality is going to eventually evolve into into like a holodeck it's going to get to that point where it's going to be that immersive and that good and it's going to and it's going to be indistinguishable from reality and we're going to be able to do all kinds of crazy things and live out whatever fantasies we ever want and i can guarantee you brian when that happens you and i are both going to have starships guaranteed (laughs) i mean it it's just it's just like it's just a foregone conclusion it's like listen that that's what I'm waiting for. I want to be able to command my own starship in space and have. There was an episode. I don't know if you saw it. Um, it was an episode of Dark Mirror, uh, where they or black is it Black Mirror or Dark Mirror? I think it's called Black Mirror on yeah. Netflix, where they had where they had something like that, where there was a guy that had fantasies about running a starship, and he kind of had this virtual reality program where he kind of it was a really you know dark and twisted story but ultimately it was you know the same concept showing about how far you know how far virtual reality can go you know yeah um but but yeah i mean I, i'm the point that i was trying to make that i was getting to in my rambling about voyager was the idea that you know they they had almost gotten me sick of holodeck stories. I was just like, like okay, oh my god, it's the holodeck again. It's like well, it okay, like, it's like, it was like crying for ratings because some of the best TNG episodes were the holodeck episodes or something going screwy in the holodeck, you know. Or so it was like, oh, the holodeck's not working anymore. Let's bring in Q. <laughs> just an attempt for uh, to to get more people, more eyes on the show, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And but the thing is with Next Generation, the great thing about Next Generation was when you saw a holodeck episode, you knew that the stakes were going to be high. I mean, yeah. I mean, to be honest, when they did that whole Sherlock Holmes thing with Moriarty and all that, at first I thought it was kind of cheesy, but then I started to think about it and I started to realize, you know, the implications of where they were going with that and what they were trying to what they were trying to show and it's it 
it got me thinking, my God, you could the holodeck could essentially become so cool, it could be like a series of its own almost. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, you could do a <laughs> whole series. <laughs> yeah, oh well, yeah, anything. Or you could do you could do like a I, I always thought you could do and I know I don't know, Brian, if you th- if you think this is a cool idea, but I always thought they could they could do a darker series and make it like almost like a Twilight Zone or Outer Limits kind of thing about the holodeck. And you could really and you could really like delve deep i mean it would you could almost tell unlimited stories that's very true you know and if you and if you set that up set it up like that you would have you would have you would have all the excuses in the world to tell some of the greatest stories you could there so that's where i think you know voyager kind of went off in its own thing and kind of you know you know if they if they had kind of strayed away from this uh holodeck stuff and focused on the mysteries yeah. of the Delta Quadrant, it could have been a phenomenal Borg, they, series. They, they kind of overused the Borg on that show, too. It, it was oh, like, yeah. They, they tended to beat things to death with that show. Yeah. Yeah, and see, that's where I, I kind of have my issues with, with what they've done, what they decided to do later on, where... You know when they when they eventually finally get to the 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 Picard show, I I I, I kind of feel like you know they they they're trying they tried to make Picard so different from Next Generation. They tried to diverge it so much that that they made Picard almost an unrecognizable character. I I, I got to the point where I was like I was like well. Which Picard is this? Is this the action movie Picard from the from the from the later movies that they made, or is this the Picard from the Next Generation? No, this is neither. This is a completely new Picard that they decided to create for. You know, this is a completely new Star Trek uh, Picard that they created for the for the benefit of this show. Like it's a, like a a third iteration of Picard. Yeah and, yeah, and I just and to me, I'm just like I don't understand why they didn't capitalize on the television version of Picard and re- and return Picard to his roots as a as a, as a character. Like, like, do you really believe that Star Trek that stars that kept that's what Captain Picard would have been doing all these years later, where they put him in that series? For me, I always pictured Picard being, I always pictured Picard being on some sort of some sort of expedition like Indiana Jones. He would be doing some kind, maybe he wouldn't be part of Starfleet anymore, but he would still be the explorer. Picard has archeology span or something. Yeah. Yeah. He has this, he has this, you know, this curiosity, this real, this sense of adventure, the sense of adventure in Picard is, is infinite. So you would expect that he would still be doing something in, you know, along the realms of exploring, even if he wasn't a starship captain anymore, and I and I just and so I my biggest issue with Picard was where they where where they had Picard at that point in his life. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is Captain. This is Picard. He's going to be doing crazy stuff still. Well, um, I, I I agree with you. Yes and no. Um, the part where I would push back just a little bit on was. 
all good things. I know it was kind of a mirror future, but he still had the same condition uh, with the Yermotic syndrome. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, they, well, and, yeah. Well, well, that was one thing I, I thought that they did right, where they still, uh, you know, they still made references to that, and they still showed that that was a, you know, that that was a real problem. Um, yeah. And so I was, I was thankful for that, but I, I thought that they did it better in all good things, to be honest. No, I agree, but just the setting of the vineyard and stuff like that, I can understand. And not only that, but after uh, losing his brother and his nephew, um, he felt that I can understand needing to feel the urge to carry on the family lineage somehow. Uh huh. You know, considering he was the last of the Picards, he was the last uh, of them. Yes. Mm-hmm. As far as like the, t- a lot of people were upset about like the the tone of that show, like it being kind of dark, and then the Federation being kind of gritty, and then my my thoughts to that one were on the last few seasons of uh, Deep Space Nine in particular. Um, that's where you really get to see kind of how dirty the Federation is. Like they they literally committed genocide, you know. Yeah, the, yeah, they turned they turned the they turned the Federation into dirtbags is what they did. It essentially yeah. it is it essentially is it essentially makes you hate the Federation. It kind of turns turns Star Trek upside down. And I don't know. I don't know if I really appreciated that. I don't think that that was the intention of what you know what Gene Roddenberry was no, going for with Star when, Trek. When so over and Iris Stephen Bear with Deep Space Nine. Um, Iris Stephen Bear in particular didn't like how Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future was. So I think he took, you know, time out to, you know, either go the opposite direction. You know what I mean? That's about the only reason he, he ended up on that show as one of the main showrunners and producers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just, I, 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 I guess my problem, Brian, I just expected better. From, no, no, no. I, I can agree. Um, I'm hoping. Uh, well, see, that's the thing. With Star Trek, you always got to be, be, you always got to be careful about the first two seasons. <laughs> well, well, yeah, yeah. Except, you know, you know, it's funny. Except with the original series, the original series, the first two seasons are fantastic. Yeah, the, third the third season of the original series is where things started to the wheels started to fall off the wagon. It's like uh <laughs> halfway through or something like that. Like, some, some it was there was a lot yeah. of controversy with the third yeah. season cuz the yeah, third season up. at one point they didn't even think they were going to have that third season. In fact, I think they brought that I think the story was that they brought that third season back later because there was a fan campaign to bring back to keep the show going. Which, it's so funny, you know, all the stuff that, you know, we're involved in. It's like, you see about that, that as far back then, in the 1960s, there were fan campaigns that influenced a network to, to renew a TV show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially that, and then the, the, the years and years of reruns, and then in the late 70s, after Star Wars, when studios are looking around going uh what kind of science fiction properties do we have paramount's like oh we got star trek and and we got v'ger so <laughs> yeah 
No, I, I, de- I, I definitely like the the cha- transition. Um, one of the books that I had uh, when I was a kid was The Art of Star Trek. So you got to see a lot of the um, the concept art that they used for uh, Star Trek Phase 2, which would have been a TV show that they were working on. Yeah, yeah, and then they ultimately decided to convert most of the ideas of Phase 2 into Star Trek The Motion Picture. Mm-hmm. You know what's really funny, though, is that the uh, des- one of the designs of the Enterprise that they were going to use looks just like the Discovery. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not shocking because you you know that you know they mine you know they mine the store for ideas because they don't have anything original left. So now they got to go back and, and pick and you know and and oh, cherry yeah. pick what they want for new Star Trek. That's my biggest gripe with new Star Trek. It's like honestly, you know we're we're gonna we're gonna event you and I are gonna eventually transition to talking about lower decks because. Lower Decks actually tries to do something different, tries to do something yeah. original, which I give them credit for, and I appreciate it. Ultimately, well, yeah, that, that actual classic Trek feeling to it. You know, it does. Not only that, though, I, I like the fact that it's it's also very self aware of what it is. Yes, it's like it, it's not trying to tell you that it's that it's a legitimate Star Trek series. It's trying to it's trying to make you. See, see the humor. It's trying to make you enjoy elements of Star Trek. It basically speaks to your nostalgia as a Star Trek fan, because it makes yeah. a ton of references to uh, to the start to the original series, a ton of references to uh, Next Generation. I mean, they even have references in there to some novels and comics and things that happen in that Star Trek, the animated series from the seventies. I mean, they, they, they bring up all kinds of, of stuff that as a Star Trek fan, if you're a fan of the lore and you, and you know, and you're a Star Trek fan that loves Star Trek and you know, the lore, you, you will, you will enjoy lower decks if for no other reason, because it brings all of that back to the forefront. It makes you remember and think about those kinds of things while laughing and enjoying the antics of these, of these new characters. So it's kind of, so, so that, that for me is kind of one of the, in a nutshell, what that kind of does. And it, it does, it does things again in a very unique manner that, that to me, is way better than Picard and way better than what they what they did with Discovery. It's like yeah. it's like Discovery to me seems like a very very aimless TV show. And I'm I'm just like you. I actually don't understand why people are dumping all over season 2 of Discovery and when season 1 of Discovery was absolutely atrocious. Yeah. Season 1 season 1 if there was if there's anything in the in this in Star Trek that can be considered an insult to Star Trek it's season 1 of Discovery. But season 2 of Discovery like goes out of its way to make up for that comes up with all sorts of ways to try and bridge the gap and actually make things make a little more sense. I have to yeah, admit, I actually enjoyed yeah. season two of Discovery. I didn't hate season two of Discovery. And I see people like, people on, on, on YouTube, you know, you watch people on YouTube and it's like all they do is complain about Star Trek. Nobody has anything positive to say about Star Trek. And I'm like, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to find something positive about this, these Star Trek series that I like 
if it kills me, I'm going to find something that is positive. And to me, that positive, that diamond in the rough is lower decks, honestly. Yep. 100% in agreement. Bro, bro, it's like you're, it's like, it's like with lower decks, I didn't know what to expect going in. I didn't, cause I didn't like the commercials. It just looked goofy. And, and to me, it looked goofy, stupid cartoon. It looked like, you know what it looked like to me at first and what, why I held off on watching it? The truth is, it kind of looked to me at first like it was just like uh, CBS's answer to the Orville. Yeah. I felt like they were trying to, they, because to me, I'm a big, big fan of the Orville. I love that series because I feel like that series is almost like a love letter to the next generation. Yeah. And I, I don't know how you feel about Lo- the Orville, but. I, I haven't watched all of it. Um, I didn't have cable during that time so uh, i missed out after like the second season onward um i have to go back and and re-watch a lot of it oh okay um, i i liked i liked what i first originally saw it felt nice like i said it, it, it's a, well, like you said it's a, it's a love letter to the next generation it really is especially especially the second season like the second the second season has episodes that are that are like it is. It, it does. It feels. It, it. It just gets. It just feels more and more like you could. Like it's. It's Star Trek in every way. Star Trek: The Next Generation in every way but the name. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you could just as easily slap, uh, you know, a Star Trek label on it, and you would. I, I'm gonna go as far as to say, like we were talking about the Star Trek Renegades before the show. The the fan, you know, the fan or independently made. Uh, Star Trek uh, movies with some old Star Trek alumnist. I'm gonna go as far as to say that the the, the Orville could have done it. Could could be easily, easily ported into Star Trek canon if they really wanted to. Yeah. If at some point they decide, you know, you know, McFarlane, you want you want to take your Orville, you want to make your Orville show a Star Trek show, we could make that happen. I could just see them doing it. There's a way through uh, through I could I think I think all they would need they could use they could either use a timeline explanation or they could use they could use the Guardian of Forever and they could make Orville part of Star Trek very very easily. Yeah, I, I, I have no I have no doubt, and I hope that that happens at some point. That would be amazing. Because it it would just it would just fit. I mean, you could you could you know it would slide in, and I think it would be better. It would be better than how they handled how how they handled Star Trek Renegades. But that's another story. Yeah, um, CBS, CBS was uh, CBS Paramount was uh, they went after a lot of people for making fan films. Yeah, well, that was the problem. That was the problem. Renegades started off fantastic, and then they and then they were forced to make concessions and they were forced to make changes for their second film to finish telling their story and it just and it's just painful to see what they had to go through because they couldn't deny that the events of their first film occurred but they had to somehow avoid elements that were too star trekky it's really, really, it's really, really a weird thing. At some point, I'd like to get the creators of uh, Renegade. I'd like to get Tim Russ, who was also 
uh, Tuvok from uh, Star Trek Voyager uh, to join me on the show to talk about talk a little bit about um, Renegades and what he went through trying to trying to <laughs> trying to juggle, you know, making it it being a Star Trek thing but not being a Star Trek thing. <laughs> well, especially for somebody who was in the trenches, as it were. I mean, I, I can only imagine how difficult that would be. I, I wouldn't even want to even attempt to make a Star Trek fan film at this point in time. No. I feel bad for all the stuff that Robert Meyer Burnett has gone through with Axanar. Yeah. Because I don't know if you've got to see the Axanar prequel that they made. The, yeah, it's the, the movie. Did you like it? Oh, uh, yeah, it was pretty decent. Uh, I mean, my God. I mean, you talk about Star Trek. I mean, for me... That was setting the stage for something that would have been fantastic. That was almost like that was like a like a like a mockumentary that kind of you know told told a little bit about the events that we were going to get if we when we finally got to see the feature film. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I was blown away by it as a lifelong Star Trek fan. I just wished that that came out. I was I was hoping that that would that that would come out, but. I don't know. I, I'm when it comes know, to fan to... films, I get disappointed. I get disappointed because fan films have gotten so big and so good over the years that they almost rival the Hollywood blockbusters, and that's why <laughs> CBS yeah. is the way they are. They're like, "Hey, wait a minute! XNR is better than Discovery. We can't have that." <laughs> you can't make money off of that. <laughs> oh my God! I, I just I'm. I'm just I, I'm excited though for more lower decks, and I'm glad that we're talking about lower decks at a time that lower decks is still going on. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. glad there's a few more episodes left of lower decks for us to watch because um, I'm I'm impressed with with the voice acting quality in this show. I think the voice actors are phenomenal, particularly yes. Tawny Newsom. I think she is, I think she is wonderful. I absolutely love her. I love her voice. I love her as an actress. I think she's wonderful for this show. Um, she does great. I mean, her character, uh, Beckett Mariner is just, she's on point. And it's, it's so funny because a lot of the people who are critical are like, Oh, she belittles Boimler and this stuff like that. And it's like, no, she doesn't. She actually, kind of helps him you know what i mean and she makes him a better she makes him a better person because yeah. he's like he's like the nerd and she's just she's like the cool person who's taking who's taking the nerd by the by the hand and trying to help him become cool yes <laughs> it's all that's what it is it's like and she's a and she's a rule breaker and she's somebody who is who's completely but i don't know i find her i find her to be i find her to be a lot of fun i find her to be the the highlight of the show. Yeah, I um, agree. Um, to me, that character, honestly, I wish, okay, I wish that she was she was the lead on Discovery. Because if she yeah. was on Discovery, Discovery would be a lot better show. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Burnham would have been a lot more relatable, I'm telling you. Uh, for real. If they, if they make, if they make, if they put her there, you switch her out. You know, Michael Burnham. You know that I, I I don't know I don't know what to how, what to make of Mar- Michael Burnham. I don't know whether she's a Mary Sue. I don't know if she's 
what she is. I don't know what she is. She, to me, she has no identity. Her identity has not been established. She's just kind of like, you know, I, I think she, I, I, I don't know. I can't say if she's a Mary Sue or not. I just don't, I, she's just, but one thing I can say is that she's not really relatable. Yes, I agree. And I, that's one of my biggest gripes about Discovery. There's a lot of characters on there, but I don't care about any of them. The only character that I actually really, really like on Star Trek Discovery is Captain Pike. <laughs> yeah, I like Pike. I, I kind of liked uh, Paul Stamets, uh, the science, the engineer slash. Yeah, oh my God! I was waiting for him to die. I hate him so much. He annoys <laughs> me. He annoys me like no other. I'm like, I cannot stand you. I hate your guts. I hope you get shoved out in airlock. I, I mean, I just, I, I'm like, that guy, that character to me, oh my god, I can't stand him. And, and you know what, and there, and it's like, there's other characters on there, you know, that are, like, to me, are tolerable, but they're not likable. I don't like any of them. I don't, like, I, I'm like, when, when, that, this is why, this is one of the reasons why I loved season two so much, okay? Season, what I loved about season two was... When, when the when the uh, when when they finally got the hell out of Spock's timeline, yeah. I, I I loved it. I'm like, oh, thank God, you got out of that century because you don't belong there. Go into the future. Go into go go beyond the Delta Quadrant. I don't care where you end up, but just get out of Star Trek's past because I think that's where I think that's where Discovery made their biggest mistake. This show should have yeah, exactly. taken place in the future. This take should have mm-hmm. taken place after Star Trek Voyager. Should have covered, you know, yep. should have like covered the area of like some of the later Star Trek novels, like uh, Star Trek Destiny and all those, you know, those novels that go further into it, far after like the Dominion War and all that stuff. Yeah, you, what, the, what is the ramifications? Because we never really got to figure out how everything got settled, and and. Card being what it is, I don't think it gave quite a good good enough explanation as to why shit hit the fan. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I agree with you one hundred percent. It's it's like it's like it's like you're it's like if they would have started it in the future, I would have automatically been more on board, mm-hmm. just because it would have been dealing with a timeline. That we know nothing about as Star Trek fans. Yeah, you can play. You can play Star Trek Online. I don't know if you play that. Yeah, but, I do. and Star Trek Online. Oh, I, I love it. I love That's it because it because it it, it it it. I mean, you talk about expanding the lore. Yep. That, that's the best shit ever. Oh, absolutely, and I like I, the fact that they, they're bringing in like characters like Seven of Nine and stuff like that. Oh my god, it, it, it is so Great. it is so amazing, and I love how when you play it, when you start off, you can play it in any era you want. Yep. And I and I started off. Discovery. I was I was playing it in. I was playing it in uh, you know original series era because I'm an original series fan, and I just I just love it so much. It is to me. It is just fantastic. And I, I don't know. I can't say enough good things about it. It's the greatest thing ever. And the best thing is you can play it for free. Yes, 
You don't have to buy nothing, but you can. But you can. You can buy stuff. You can buy upgrades. You can do. Of course, you can. But it's. But it's awesome as a story. It's phenomenal. So you. So if you love Star Trek, it's something everybody should be playing. Oh, not only that, it's just a good continuation. And I think after like Nemesis, that storyline kind of went away. Like yeah, all, yeah. and that's why I wasn't the biggest fan of the 2009 Star Treks because they went back to that era. And I, I just like yeah, you know, you know, like I, I feel about Star Wars. It's like just that's get the out of pro- right, era. right. Get out of it. Get out of it. Go further, or yes. either go further or tell us something we don't know. In Star Wars, in the, in the case of Star Wars, they could have went back. They could have went back thousands of years yeah, before exactly. the prequels, and they could have made an entire trilogy that was a completely different thing that we knew nothing about, and that would have been the safest. The yeah. safest thing to do, and and well, Star Trek they have, but Star Trek they have no excuse. Star yes. Trek they have no excuse because they have so much area that they can cover that we don't know anything about. Why do we always have to go back to the time of Kirk and Spock? We don't need that. Mm-hmm. I don't exactly. want to see Kirk and Spock again. Re, their stories have been told. We don't need. We I love those characters, but we don't need to see them again reimagined over and over and oh i mean it's just i mean they're talking about bringing uh because they're because they said they're going to make a series based on captain pike which i think is a mistake because i'm like why are you doing this we already know how captain pike's future turns out we don't need a series with those characters again because if you do that what are you going to do? It's going to get popular. You only you only have so much storyline that you can tell. I, I would say they've only got about a season or two they could tell. Well, yeah, actually, no, out. no, actually, they could. Uh, I have to I have to correct myself on that. As a Star Trek nerd, I have to go back and realize that Spock and uh, Pike served for ten years together. I believe. So if that's the case, they've got plenty of they've got plenty of room for a series because most likely it won't it won't last for it won't last for ten seasons. The damn thing would be lucky if it gets two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think so, that's kind of part of the shame about it though, because the casts I have nothing to complain about. I mean, Anson Mount is great. Uh, yeah, the, I, that's the thing. That's I say he's the only character I care about. He's the only character I care about in the entire uh, Discovery mythology because he's done so well, and he reminded me so much of Jeffrey Hunter from the original Star Trek pilot. I was like, my God, this is a guy that, you know, looks like he was born to play this role. Yeah. Well, I mean, even like uh, Bruce Greenwood, who played it in the uh, the movies. Oh, I, I um, love Bruce Greenwood, yeah. I was a big fan of Bruce Greenwood. Yeah. Yeah, Chris Pine, I don't know. Chris Pine was never Captain Kirk to me. I never accepted him as Captain Kirk. He was more. He was more Steve Trevor. Yeah, you know what? My thing is, he could have. And and but this, I got. I I have. I do have a little bit of respect for Chris Pine, just because of what he said. He made a comment when somebody asked him about his portrayal. Somebody criticized or asked him about his portrayal of Captain Kirk in those movies. And he said, you know, Captain Kirk, you know, it's such an intelligent character and they, you know, and your version seems just to be like just off the cuff doing whatever he wants. And he made a comment about how it's what that's what audiences today are into that you couldn't that you couldn't make you couldn't do Captain Kirk 
in the way that we as Star Trek fans remember Captain Kirk because that's not what audiences care about. Audiences care about explosions. They care about popcorn flicks. They're not really focused on the intellectualism of Star Trek because that's what J.J. Abrams did. He took all the intellectualism out of Star Trek and made it more popcorn like and made it more like star modeled it more off of star wars instead of the scientific intellectual elements of star trek yeah and that to me but like you i got totally taken out of i i gave jj a pass for star trek 09 i really did it was good i like because i knew because i knew what he was doing he was trying to update it for the audience for a modern audience i mean he got he got people that normally would not give Star Trek a second look. Oh yeah, he brought he to, brought people that uh, the casual fans that would never even seen it that hate Star Trek that can't stand yeah. Star Trek. He 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 catered to the people whose favorite Star Trek movie is Star Trek for the Voyage Home, because that movie has had mass appeal, and you know why? Because it because it went to the modern day, and it was in it. It dealt with situations that people could relate to. So, so you, so Star Trek 09, I gave him a pass. I gave him credit. It wasn't my cup of tea, but I still enjoyed it for what it was and thought, okay, great. Now, for the second movie, I expect you to do something. I expect it to be more like Star Trek. Take me on a voyage. Tell me a story that I have not seen before and don't rehash issues that you had in the past you know with other other movies don't do it but i knew brian i knew when they when they were making all when they were making all their talk all their talk you know before the movie came out uh, no 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 even before that when they were talking making all their conversations about how much they love and respect nicholas meyer in star trek to the wrath of khan I knew that the next movie, whatever it was, was going to involve Khan in some way, and I and I just and I was I was mortified because I'm like I don't want them to touch that story. That yeah. story was already done. You don't need to remake it. It's still to this day considered to be the best Star Trek movie ever. So why would you remake it? It's like taking it's like taking. You know, something that is, it's something that's ingrained in pop culture. It's like taking the original Star Wars movie, the original, uh, episode four, and remaking it. Yeah, not the special edition remake, but just completely just reshooting it from a a mirror. Why would you do, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Yeah, exactly. Why would you do that? And and, and you want to know something that pisses me off even more? The worst part about Star Trek Into Darkness is the fact that that Benedict Cumberbatch actually looks like freaking Gary Mitchell. They actually could have made they actually could have made him Gary Mitchell, and they could have told that story if they wanted to. I don't know why they had to make it about Khan. I mean, that's the part that bothered me. Like he didn't look like Khan at all. He had no. He, 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 they they might as well have they might as well have they, if they made him Gary Mitchell. And they tried to tell a little bit, you know, they tried to do that where no man has gone before motif a little bit. And they tried to update that. That would have been great. 
Benedict Cumberbatch is a great actor. He could have pulled it off. It would have been phenomenal. But they decided to go the route of, of I'm Khan. And nobody and, and people that aren't Star Trek fans are looking at the screen like, huh? Who? What, yes. what what difference does this does this make? What does this have to do with anything? I mean, I, I almost I almost felt like they could have, in an even better way to do it, if they were, if they had to go the con route. If they really wanted us to, if they really wanted to push that con thing, they could have made him con without actually saying he was con. They could have, like, they could have made it where he was, like, they could have, he could have stayed Harrison the entire time, had never been mentioned, never mentioned con. Uh, you know, mentioned all these little things, and there would have been a bunch of little clues in there. You know, because J.J. Abrams likes his little mystery boxes, so they could have told that story without referencing Khan at all. Yeah, and then you would add you would add plausible deniability for future films, and then the coup de gras was when New Spock got on the got on the com with old Spock asking him about Khan. Yeah. I was done. I was like, you got to be kidding me. And I want to tell you something like Leonard Nimoy, God bless him. But I would not have agreed to be in that movie. Man, I would have been like, blow it out your ass. This is horrible. Mm-hmm. Well, it was word for word exactly what happened in the engine room in Rathacon, except they flipped the glass. Yeah. Yeah, they flipped the glass and made, and made Kirk be the guy to make the sacrifice instead of Spock. And... I just, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I had so much, I had so much high hopes. I, I actually believed in J.J. Abrams a little bit. I thought, I thought, you know what? And when I kept hearing all this stuff about Gary Mitchell, I was a little bit excited because I thought this could work. Gary Mitchell, I, that would be a great story. I don't know about. I love. I'm a big original series fan. So when I hear the name Gary Mitchell, I get excited and I think, oh my god, they could bring tell that story on the big screen in a modern way. This might be good, man. And then oh, and then when they then when they introduced Carol Marcus too, there were so many uh-huh. like there were so many cringe things in there that they just threw in there. For fan service, I don't know. After after Into Darkness, I don't know what made Disney think that JJ was the man for Star Wars. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it's it's, it's kind of like if you think about it, it's kind of what happened like the Last Jedi. Kind of like you're all stoked because you made a pretty decent movie the first time, you know, and then boom, all the it's the exact same thing. It's like the exact it's the exact same feeling. It's the exact mm-hmm. same thing. I was hyped up. For it's like it's like we all buy into J.J. Abrams' initial con. He sucks us all in the first time, but then but then the second time you get like the, it's like it's like you're, you're you're eating good the first time. You're at a buffet. You're eating all this good food. Then you decide to go back the second time, and they only for them to switch chefs. And you're like, oh my god, this is horrible. What happened? Yep, yep, <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I mean, especially with Star Trek, after after Enterprise was over, it was kind of like a snow globe, you know, where all the snow had settled on the bottom, and that 2009 movie came and gave it a good shake, you know, and I think they just kind of shook it too hard and let it break, and we got uh, Star Trek Beyond, which I didn't even watch. <laughs> 
Oh, uh, you know I, what? I, I you're, you're, recently, but I, I just I didn't go see it in the theaters. You're, you're, you, you made the right decision because I did go see it in theaters, and I was, um, I was definitely disappointed in it. But it's funny. I didn't hate it as much as I did Into Darkness. Because it yeah. didn't, it didn't do, it, it didn't do anything really to offend me. It really wasn't good. But as a Star Trek fan, it, it didn't, it didn't bother me at all. To, to yeah. on the level, like, like I could say, I could say that it was, it was definitely better than Into Darkness. But it was just unremarkable. There, it's like it just wasn't a great movie, and it probably well, like shouldn't, have, shouldn't have been made. Right? It could have been a TV movie. Yeah. No, you know what you can compare it to almost? You could almost compare it to Star Trek Insurrection, where the biggest yes. cr- criticism of Insurrection everybody had was it felt like an episode of the TV show. So, yeah, you could have you technically did it like that, where, yeah, that, that's the same thing. It, it suffers from Insurrection Syndrome, where it's, where it's just kind of... It would have been better to watch it on TV than to watch it on the big screen. Exactly. <laughs> Where I, you know, there's a lot of, and but like I said, if if I think my biggest reason for hating JJ Star Trek is just because there was so much potential, just like with this, with the, with the, uh, you know, with this new Star Wars trilogy, there was so much potential. You you know, you did it good. You set up, you set the table. And then only to screw it up the next time. And J.J. can't blame anybody for Into Darkness because nobody, he was the one that did it. Yeah, nobody if, pushed back on that one. Yeah, it's not, it's not like with Rise of Skywalker where people are like, well, you know, J.J. had to come in and clean up after Ryan Johnson's mess. Well, what's his excuse for Into Darkness? Into Darkness should have taught everybody that you don't have J.J. come in and do another movie. You yeah. get You get J.J. to come in and... Start the franchise up again. Give yeah. the franchise a kickstart that it needs, and then you bring in a better, more qualified filmmaker to come in and do the next movie. Yeah. Well, another thing I think that suffered with Star Trek mostly is that they never really reached out to the older associates. You know, people that were still on when Rick oh Berman was in charge. Yeah. What? What? I. This is what I don't understand. All these Star Trek writers that are still alive. That you could have went to for a script, <laughs> like what, like you could. I like I don't understand why they didn't go back to DC Fontana. Yeah, why they didn't go back to some of the big, some of the big name writers? If you want to go further into what, what was it? Uh, what was it? Uh, Brandon Braga who did Battlestar Galactica. Oh, uh, Ron Moore. Ronald Moore. Okay. Yeah. Why didn't they go to him? Oh, that's another thing. Have you seen the documentary uh, for Deep Space Nine? Uh, yes, I have. Yes, I have, and I, I wanted to. I wanted to bring that up to you a little bit. Yes. Oh, yes. You, you see how they? You see how they were able in that short amount of time to come up with a way to do a new season of Deep Space Nine. And I'd watch it today. Today. Like, no today. Hesitation. You no, know, I think. I think well, especially since the streaming and stuff, I think Deep Space Nine, if they were to actually give it a push, like right now, I think I think it would go somewhere. Deep Space Nine, like Babylon Five, was ahead of its time. Oh, 100%. and it, and and if you were and and Deep Space Nine would work better in today's climate than especially with the wokeness. Oh, 
God, Deep Space Nine is such a great, such a great show. It's so good. It, it's, it's like I, like I was, I was too young at the time to really, when Deep Space Nine was around, was was uh, you know was 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 new and 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 going further. I was too young at the time to appreciate Deep Space Nine for what it was. But as I, man, as I got older and I got, you know, I got the, all the DVDs and I'm, I, you know, and I went and watched it, you know, from beginning to end. Oh my God. It's one of the greatest, one of the greatest space epics you could ever watch. It's just so well written all the way through. And it, it, it just, it, I, I don't, I don't know, man. To me, Deep Space Nine is like the blueprint of how you would do how you would do a Star Trek show today if you were going to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, come well, they, on! They, that, they actually went on a on a on a story arc. I mean, from the last couple seasons, and that was like unheard of in Star Trek. And it was so good that they just they kept it going, and it wasn't the only show that did that. <laughs> and in that 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 and then that documentary where they showed how they would start it up. I mean, we're like instantly hooked. We're looking at it like, okay, when is this coming out? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I'll pay my money right now. It's like, it's like, do you need a? It's like, okay, do you, is this, is this going to be a Kickstarter campaign or what? Because we really need to get on this. <laughs> well, uh, it's, it's funny we're talking about this. Um, I think I'm trying to remember the channel's called. I think it's called Sid City. Okay. And. Uh, uh, it's Alexander Siddig who played, uh, yeah, Sid City Social who, Club. Who played, uh, who he played Dr. Bashir. Mm-hmm. He gets uh, uh, Ale- Andrew Robinson, who played Garrick, uh, Sirach Lofton, who played uh, Jake Sisko, um, even uh, Nana Visitor, who played uh, Major Kira, to uh, read uh, fan fiction on Zoom calls. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And and it's so great to see them interact with each other. Like it, it's been twenty years since that show has been on television, and they still act and talk to. I mean, yeah, they're Star Trek people, so they go to the conventions all the time and stuff. So they see each other all the time. But it's it's so great to see their their chemistry, um, just still going after all these years. Yeah, it it is it is. It is amazing, and I swear, like, if they were to bring back, they could bring back Deep Space Nine right now in any capacity, even if they did, like, an animated series, and it would be phenomenal. Yeah, I'd be down. Like, like do like do Deep Space Nine, like, you know, digitally, like the way they did, like, the way they did, like, Star Wars Rebels or Clone Wars. Yeah, 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 exactly. Do a Deep Space Nine continuation. This way, the actors could all come back. And reprise their roles, and by doing the voices of the characters. Well, that's kind of what I'm hoping that Picard and Lower Decks is going to do. Um, I think we're going to get more cameos, um, especially in Lower Decks, because I mean it's easier to just to provide a voice. You know what I mean? Um, I would like to see more of the characters and see where they're at. You know, I, what happened to Jordy LaForge? You know what I mean? Is he teaching at the Daystrom Institute with his with Leah Brahms? You know what I mean, uh, Doctor. Um, that was the, what happens to Jordy was was talked about in the Star Trek Picard prequel novel that came out before the before the series was released, uh, and they you know they go into all this detail about how Picard 
wanted uh, Jordy on board for the mission. You know, the the mission that 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 Picard was being criticized for at the beginning of the of Picard. So there's all these, you know, so there's all this stuff. I basically they cover all that kind of stuff in the novels, but I would like to see I'm with you where I would like to see them do it more later on in the series. But one thing, you know, speaking of Picard since you went back to Picard, I got to I got to ask you, man. I mean, in spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen Picard by now, the ending, killing Picard and then bringing him back as an android. Now, I don't necessarily have a problem with bringing Picard back as an android, but I do have a problem with the fact that they brought him back as an android in the form of Patrick Stewart. Why, in yeah. God's name, if you had a chance to be resurrected where your life could continue after your body dies and they could transfer your consciousness into a positronic net, why would you want to have the body of like what? Picard's like what, 812 right now? Why would you want that? Why wouldn't you want to have how you, how you, why wouldn't you want to look like how you looked in your, in your thirties or your forties or where you're middle-aged, not, not an old man. I mean, yeah. come on. I would like, at least want it to look like Tom Hardy from uh, Nemesis. <laughs> that's what I was. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, why didn't they just cast a younger actor to pick it up for season two and have it be a younger, a younger robot? And you could have. Think about this right now. You could have Patrick Stewart cameo from time to time in flashbacks. You wouldn't need to have Patrick Stewart. You know. Yeah. Kind of what right, they did with do, Brent Spiner. You know, they just, right, right. You wouldn't need to have Patrick Stewart doing so much. Because let's be honest, Patrick Stewart is getting up there in age. Yeah. You, you don't want to have... tell he's laboring around the stage. Yeah, he's laboring now. So what So what was the purpose of, re, of, of, of killing his character at the end and then bringing him back to have him be Patrick Stewart? That made no sense. Bring him back as a younger actor. And I think that would have been a much more... That would have been a bigger surprise. It would have yeah. made more. It would have made more sense to the audience. It would have made more sense from a story perspective. Yeah. yeah, these people are morons. Like I, like I'm like okay. So 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 now what happens? What happens? God forbid. Uh, Patrick Stewart passes away two episodes yeah. into season two, filming season two. Now what the hell are you going to do? Now you have no way to future proof this series you can't keep the series going you can't do anything now you have to end it because you decided to to bring captain picard back in the same exact body for the for the end why kill him then why why do you have to kill him if you were going to do that then you don't kill picard you just end it in a different way and then you have picard come back in the second season makes no sense for them to do that that was that after that i i was being very very forgiving with picard throughout i don't know if it was just nostalgia i don't know what it was for me but i was like this is captain picard i got to give it a chance i can't i can't be cramping all over this series i got i got i got to try to love it i mean on the planet with the rikers i mean I got goosebumps that whole episode. Like, there there were parts of that show where it was just like, oh, okay, this is Star Trek: The Next Generation. 
this is this is kind of what they would be doing, at least for Iker in retirement. I feel like he'd be kind of like Kirk, you know. Yeah. I, you, know, you know what? And that, that's the thing. Like, there's certain things that you can totally get behind and say, and you could totally defend and say, okay, I understand why they did this. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought the very first episode, the way things started out, was brilliant. I, when, I was, when, I, when I watched that first episode, I watched that first episode like three or four times because I was like, this is because at first. I wasn't quite sure who the android was, who the android that was Data's daughter. I thought it maybe it might have been Lol somehow. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. was so I was kind of like I was mesmerized in that in that direction. I was like, my God, this is this is gonna be great. God, I love what they're doing. This is I, I was like on Cloud Nine. I'm like, you cannot screw up a star a Star Trek Picard show. You just you just can't. It it it's impossible. I'm like they cannot mess this up. This is going to be fantastic. And then as the show goes on, it's just like oh my god, they found a way to screw it up. How is this possible? Some of the things I wish they would have done, like the foul mouthed admiral, that should have been Kate Mulgrew. Uh huh. Like period. Uh huh. There should have been more references to Star Trek Voyager. And Deep Space Nine. Uh huh. Um, there should have been more characters from both. And, 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 and I love Jerry and, Ryan. Okay, okay, but but let, but let's talk a little bit about Seven of Nine. They fundamentally changed her character to the point where she's almost irrecognizable too. Yeah, and it's almost like, like she has she does not too. right she doesn't have yeah. She doesn't have any of the characteristics of the Voyager character. I went back after Picard and watched a couple of episodes, early seven of nine episodes of Voyager afterwards, and I got to tell you, man, I was confused. It was a completely different character. Yeah, it's it just like, it was like... Oh, I understand that the character evolves. Alien. Right. I understand that the character evolves over time. But still, at, at some point, you got to stay true to who you are. Yeah. 20 years from now, we're all going to be a little bit different. We're going to view, view, be viewing life a little bit differently than we do now. But I would hope we're not all bitter old bastards. You understand what I'm saying? It's like at some point you have to figure you still, the personality of who you were your whole life, who you started out as and who you eventually became, isn't going to change all that much. At your core, you're still going to be who you are. Yeah. So that's the thing I don't get. They didn't do that to Jean Luc, though. They they kind of they kept him optimistic, which was which was kind of nice. Like he was the beacon, and you know, in a galaxy full of crazy. So he, I, they they tried, yeah, they tried, but they but at the same time they still had to they still had to alter him and change him a little bit too. Which to me, I felt like I I just felt I just fundamentally disagreed with the way they. The way that they, the way that they handled him in some areas, but I ultimately got over it until the yeah. very end of the series, and then I was just like, "Okay, you lost me at the bakery. Now we're in trouble because now I don't know, now I don't know what you're going to do for season two. This makes no sense." Well, and that's kind of why I'm glad they they went a different direction with uh, lower decks because I, I could see people getting really jaded with what they're putting out and, you know, losing your original fans to try to get uh, fans, people who aren't fans in doesn't seem to be a winning proposition in most cases. So, and definitely Star Trek's been trying to do that, like 
trying to appeal to a wider audience. And when they do it right, hats off, man. It's it's really good. But a lot of times, especially, you know, say the last couple Next Generation movies onward, it was really difficult. Because I remember being a kid and Star Trek was always like a, a niche thing. You know what I mean? Like, we were the nerds of the nerds. Right. We got made fun of by everybody. It was like, you like Star Trek? It's like, well, yeah, you play D&D. Yeah, but you like Star Trek. It's like, oh. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I when I was in high school, I always I always thought that the kids who played D and D were nerdier than the Star Trek fans. I mean, to, because to be honest, it's like I try. I sat down and tried to play D and D with a bunch of kids at a lunch table at school one day, and I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't get into it. I was like, this is just. This is like way beyond where I'm gonna where I'm at. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, no, nah, you know what, you know what, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go watch that football game instead. <laughs> you know, it's funny you mentioned that because that's exactly what I did. Uh, it was late '90s, the 49ers were doing really good, so you know, hey, what the hell? <laughs> I, 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 I just, to me, it's, it's, there's a level of nerddom that just gets that just. And that goes even beyond us that are nerds. And, like, you could consider us to be nerds now in the, in the scope of what the culture is. But, I mean, yeah, for me, D&D just was another level. I mean, if I was at the D&D level, I, I would have been, like, programming, you know, you know like, <laughs> I, I would have probably became, like, a mathematician or something because... You, you, because really, the kids that were that were into D and D at the time were some of the most brilliant minds you'd you'd ever. I mean, they were completely brilliant. They could yeah, do they, like they could come up with stuff like this with a snap of two fingers, and it would just, and it would just like baffle me. It's like, uh, I'm gonna go eat my peanut butter and jelly sandwich now. Yeah, <laughs> like it's it's like so like I mean it's like a whole nother level, and I. I don't know. So for me, I don't consider, you know, Star Trek to be the, you know, the apex of nerdum. At least not right now anymore. Totally I, I mean, totally no. Because yeah. when you look at where Star Trek is now, it's totally gone mainstream. It's totally gone to, it's basically abandoned hardcore Star Trek fans in favor of trying to reach the mainstream the audience that never cared. Yeah, you know, the Big Bang Theory crowd that never cared about Star Trek in the first place. Yeah. Because Big Bang, Big, Big Bang, Bang Theory was a sh- is a show for the mainstream audience mm-hmm. that doesn't know anything about nerds. It makes nerddom mainstream. That's why I say it hijacked nerddom. <laughs> right, and, and and not not in a good way. Like the first no, couple no, no. first couple of seasons of Big Bang Thir- Theory, I was like, okay, all right. Yeah, a I couple see. next generation references here and there. You know, I can see I can see what you're doing here. You know, I, I kind of. I can see where you're trying to, you know, where you're trying to kind of, kind of condition the normies. You know, I can see what you're doing, yeah. but once they started shacking everybody up, I didn't like that show anymore. Yeah, because it didn't make sense. It went, it went very outside. Yeah, very unrealistic. Exactly, because half the They're people in that show, if they were real nerds, wouldn't even know how to talk to women. Yeah, let Kelly alone would not, never date one of them. That that's also that's also very true. Although one thing that I've learned over the years about women, and this is something that I you know I you know it's like I have I had never thought of, but you would be surprised how 
how approachable women that look like that are. Like you'd be surprised that if if you know if you have things if you if you uh, if you approach them correctly and you you'd be you'd I'm telling you you would be surprised how 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 much how much it is how much it is actually possible and realistic to talk to. But what I'm saying is the people in that show it, it never would have happened. There's just no way. Not the way those characters were depicted. Yeah. And to me, I, I just, and so it just, yeah, like once it, it lost its, it lost its, you know, it lost its luster completely. It was like, it was like the same thing with, it was like the same thing with Two and a Half Men. It was yeah. like, you watch that show and, and you feel the same, almost, you feel similar, but in a different way. Like you watch that show and you're like, okay, it's, he makes it seem like all he has to do is walk outside and he's got himself another woman to hook up with. Yeah. All he all he did was walk outside. Like I, <laughs> it's like okay, I'm. I, it, it it's not that easy. I I don't know. I I just I I yeah yeah I you know for you know that's why I said with that show. But ironically, these are all CBS properties that we're talking. <laughs> I think it helped rejuvenate. Some of the some of the stuff that we're seeing now, to where there are Star Trek on TV again, because I think it kind of, in the process of bringing more eyes, it did bring, you know, people who didn't who would never watch Star Trek into it. Uh, oh yeah, show. So it's like oh yeah, oh yeah, double edged I mean, sword. I mean, my, my, my dad, who who always hated Star Trek, went and took my mom to go watch Star Trek 09. I knew they were onto something. I'm like, I'm like, really. <laughs> I'm like okay, well, my sister, who never watched Star Trek a day in her life, absolutely loved Star Trek '09. I yeah. I knew that they were I knew that they were onto something. It yeah, just, I had a friend that never watched it, and she she was like, "Wow, this is really good." I I had taken I had taken I had taken a, a, a the woman I had gone to see Star Trek '09 with. She was another one. She was not a Star Trek fan. She hated Star Trek. She hated hanging out with me. If I wanted to watch anything Star Trek, but we went to see Star Trek 09 and she loved it. She loved it. Like she really, really enjoyed it, thought it was great. And I, I kept saying, I kept saying, eh, it didn't really feel like Star Trek to, with, to me. And I remember on the way home and she was like, she was like, wait, she's like, it doesn't feel like Star Trek to you. She's like, she's like, that is the, that was the best movie of that type she said that i've ever seen and it's way better than any of the star trek stuff you were watching before she's like so i don't know what you're talking about like she wanted to almost wanted to fight about it because she loved it she thought it was great well i i think like the appeal was yeah (laughs) the appeal was massive and -hmm. nobody can take that away from jj he knows how to market movies to people that don't normally like those kinds of movies yeah I mean, she she was she was so into it. She went with me again to see to see Into Darkness. Yeah, uh, same thing uh, with my friend, and uh, she never she didn't understand why I was so upset at the end of that movie. Like I when when Spock yelled Khan. Oh, I know. I had to say when mouth, the... I, I, I yelled. <laughs> at the I was like, really? What the? And I got an elbow to the side, and I, I shut up. But if I wasn't with that friend, I would have walked out. 
That's how I was. Oh my god, I was pissed. I was like, I was practically. I, I was. I got so mad. I act. This is how I know. I, I knew. Like, oh my god, you really are a big ass nerd. I started shaking. I was so upset. <laughs> she looked at me like. She looked at me like. Like I was. Like she's like, is there something wrong with you? Are you okay? I'm like, I'm like, no. And I just didn't say nothing else. I was just. But I was getting red and I was shaking. I was so mad. I was seething with anger. Because I was like this dude, like I felt like Kirk during Wrath of Khan. I wanted to scream at the screen. I wanted to be like JJ. Like I was so angry. Like oh my god. Like it was. Oh, it was bitter. I felt. Oh, it was. To me, to me, that was a worse experience to, for me than like Justice League, and I absolutely hated that movie. But. But Into Darkness for me was just like, was like the biggest letdown ever. I was like, are you kidding me? Because uh, I just remember being so hyped. Like, I'd be on TrekMovie.com every other day. Dude, I, to see what the- I, was with, I was with you. I was I, exactly Trek Movie. Yes. See, this is how I knew, this is how I knew you and I were going to be friends. My God, our experiences are so parallel. I was like, you know, that's exactly it. I was on Trek Movie too. <laughs> Ten years ago, man. <laughs> Looking at rumors and speculations. And rumors and speculations for again. Star Trek Two. Like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> and then the last Jedi came out, and I was like, you dumbass. Oh my God, yeah, <laughs> yeah. See, see now, Last Jedi. I, when I was with, I was with my was with my father and my nephew at the time. If I was by myself, Last Jedi, I would have walked out. Same with Into Darkness. If I was by myself, I would have walked yeah. out. Yeah. I, there's no way I would have sat through the rest of that movie. Once he said, "I am Khan," I was just like, "All right, dude, bye." Yeah. Like, I'm like, out of here. I'm, uh, I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm like, I wanted Gary Mitchell, you son of a bitch. I'm out of here. <laughs> I mean, that's how I know. That's how I know I'm like the biggest Star Trek nerd because I'm sitting there like, I wanted Gary Mitchell. I was so mad. <laughs> well, it's, it's like, and it kind of brings me back to, to Lower Decks. I mean, that's why when it came out, I loved the premise of it. Because Star Trek, they had that episode of The Next Generation where they showed, you know, what the the underlings did. But they never focused on it for more than, like, ten minutes. And it was always interweaved with what the, the, the main crew was doing. So, I mean, like, as far as as far as far the, the, the whole idea of, you know, just a, a, a ship that's not the flagship, you know, I, I think that would be kind of an interesting topic to explore. And also people that are necessarily gung-ho about what they do for a living yeah yeah lower decks although lower decks does have some characters that are very very gung-ho about what they do for a living i i will i will say this about lower decks i would actually and this might be a little controversial but i would actually like to see a live action lower decks that competes with orville yes I think that would be fantastic. Like if they, I mean, because they would have to make it, you know, they would have to make it le- a little less hammy, but I think they could pull it off. It would be, I think it'd be great. Yeah, no, and I, I think it would give that that kind of light that was missing in, uh, like my first review of the show, 
I all I kept thinking was is why so serious? You know, it's like why why are we taking this? this you mean dis- you're talking about discovery? Well, just in general, because Discovery was like I don't know. In my opinion, Discovery was very serious. Yeah, Discovery. It, Discovery is too serious. Discovery is like one of the most pretentious Star Trek shows I've ever seen in my life. Like it, yeah. like it, it almost, it, it's almost, it takes itself serious to the level that, and it's completely unnecessary to be to be taken seriously. I mean, there's no real. I mean, ugh. Did they have fun when they made it? No, you know no, what I mean? it doesn't like, look like it. Like, I watched a lot of documentaries that talk about the, the perfect example was that show, uh, the one that uh, William Shatner made called Chaos on the Bridge. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where it talks about the first three seasons of Next Gen and how it was a nightmare. But the one constant was the fact that the crew had, or the, the cast had such a fun time making the show. And they all had such a great camaraderie and they, they grew to love each other. Yeah, it's it's incredible. And with Discovery, you don't see that at all. You, it looks like every character on that show looks like they're hating life. Yeah. So that's what I'm hoping with this next season. I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch Discovery season three when it comes out. Oh, I'm going to too. I can't. As much as I hated season one, I liked season two, and I'm yeah. hoping, and that's why I want to give Discovery season three the benefit of the doubt because I want to see where in time they place. Season three, yeah, because I, it, from what I've heard, it's supposed to be it's supposed to take place in the future. Yeah, like nine hundred years or something like that. Oh, that would be great, though. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I, I, you know, give us a reason to care about these characters. Put them in their own elements so that we don't, so that we can get to know them, so that we don't have to care. When you put them in, when they put them in, in you know, Kirk and Spock's timeline, what you're doing is you're making us worry too much. About continuity, about you know the timeline, about why doesn't everything look like the way it looked in the original series? Why is it not like this? Why why are we doing this? This is inconsistent with this. Too many too many variables when you put it in an already established timeline. So yeah. what you have to do is you have to give. That's why it's so important to give these series their own place. This is what I love about Lower Decks. Lower Decks has its own has its own is its own thing outside of continuity. It's its own thing. It references all this other stuff as tongue in cheek as a joke. It's showing that it's funny. It's showing that it's more of a parody than anything else. It's not trying to you know to be serious. It's not trying to make it you know to make us crazy. Whereas, like, Discovery, I think, like, for, to me, honestly, it seemed like the first season of Discovery, the whole purpose of the show was just to piss people off. Yeah, more than likely, and especially with the, a, lot of, a lot of the stuff that was going on. I mean, that, that gave birth to what we call the... Yeah, I mean, and you take the, you take the brilliant that. idea that Brian Fuller had of making Star Trek Discovery into an anthology, and then you turn around and make it this one... Uh, story about this one crew, about this one... I mean, I think they would have been much better off going with an anthology series because then they could have told stories in any Star Trek era they wanted to. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, I, I think there are certain eras I, I, that most Star Trek fans consider sacrosanct. And the original series era is one of those eras. It's like, you could tell stories afterwards... 
But see, like, the, the thing is, you're, you're not going to... The problem with telling stories in the original series era is you're not going to go far enough. You're not going to make the show look like it takes place in the original series era. And then you're going to... And then you're going to... And then that's the problem you have. I will say this. Star Trek Enterprise, in its fourth season, when it went into the Mirror Universe, and it actually... Uh, explained and showed and act well actually showed like the era of of the original series it did a brilliant job because it actually showed the original series era like it really did go to go back to that 60s aesthetic so that you could so that people couldn't say oh well that's not how it is i had the coolest idea for Star Trek Enterprise, for what the what the se- season finale could have been for the last season, where you they could have had Mirror Universe Captain Kirk be the be the villain at the end of at the end of the season, and yeah, you could have actually actually had it been like like because the rumor was that that Captain Kirk was supposed to be a was supposed to cameo. On Enterprise, he was supposed to be in the final, in like the fi- final. He was supposed to be in the final season, and my idea was for him to take the Enterprise, take the Enterprise from the Mirror Universe, and somehow come into, uh, you know, come into Federation space and come into conflict with the Enterprise, with with the Enterprise from from Enterprise. And actually, and have him be the villain, and and have it be Archer versus Kirk, but it would be Archer versus Mirror Universe Kirk, not Archer versus uh, original series Kirk. And what you would have happen is the re- the way you'd be able to explain away Captain Kirk's you know aging and all that, so they wouldn't have to de-age William Shatner or anything. How you would have it happen is you would have. He had been he had gotten caught up into some sort of like time stream or some sort of a rift where it had aged him, and so he had been through like he had been through like a hell almost like almost like Khan how Khan was so bitter because of all the things he had gone through and how he had felt abandoned by his crew something along those lines where you would have had like a Kirk an embittered Kirk from the Mirror Universe. Coming to coming after to take revenge on the fe, on the Federation for something, and you would have had, and he would have gone back in time to try and kill Archer and try to destroy, try to stop stop the birth of the Federation. That'd been good. So that was that's what I how I thought because when it was rumored that Kirk was going to cameo, I'm like, well, how are they going to do that with William Shatner? William Shatner's getting up there in age; he's pretty old. How are they going to? But that would have worked. To have a villainous, to have a villainous Kirk. This way, you're not you're not messing with. You don't have to have a younger Kirk. You don't have to have a. And the reason why Captain, why William Shatner turned down the cameo on Enterprise is guess what role they wanted him for. Which one? The, the they wanted him to, they, No, they wanted him to be. They wanted him to be the cook on the Enterprise in the last episode. Oh, jeez. It was the Riker rule. Yeah, but they yeah they just wanted him to be the cook. They're like they're like and 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 I guess and I guess ironically 
William Shatner, I had read about this late years later, William Shatner had a similar idea of doing something with Mirror Universe Kirk. And they had told him, oh yeah, well, Bill, that's a pretty good idea, but we just want you to cook our food. And he turned down the, and he turned down the role. I would have turned it down too. Yeah, just a bit. Because he was just going to be because he was just going to be basically he was just going to be like an ancestor of Kirk. He wasn't well, going to be, you know, he wasn't going to actually play, you know, Captain Kirk. But it'd been like generations Kirk, you know, it's like I'm cooking eggs. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, yeah, cuz he did, you know, cuz he did get to cook in generations. So, I I I just I think that you you know, when you when you have somebody like that, you you know that you want to bring on. You want to bring the original Captain Kirk. You make it count. And I yeah. think I think having him in a villainous mirror universe Kirk role going up against Archer would have been a phenomenal storyline. I don't know what I don't know what they were thinking at the end there with that Riker episode. I really don't. I understand you know that again you know I always like I said I always look at it as a love letter to Next Generation, but ultimately. I mean, I mean, you you had something that was great, and you just and you just squandered it. So I I don't know. I I, I don't I don't give them any credit for that. But everything up to that last episode on 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 Enterprise, I could get down with. It was way better than anything that came later on. You know. So I so I'm you know I don't know. Definitely better no, than I Discovery. Agree. I wish it would have got. I wish it would have got another season. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, it's like I kind of wish they'd have put lower decks out sooner. I think it lower probably... decks as well. Lower decks. They, pro- I think they probably should have put out lower decks before they put out Discovery. Yeah, I think it would have uh, would have got more heads turned onto the product at least. Well, I think another part of it is is that if they would have aired the shows on television instead of having it on a, aren't they doing that server, now? Aren't they doing that yeah, now? They're, do- they're doing it now, but that's three years after the fact. You know what I mean? I want, I want to see it now. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I don't see why I don't see why they didn't do something like that. They could yeah, with Discovery, they they spent all this money on Discovery. They should have just dumped it on CBS. Yeah, exactly. It would have got putting it by, putting it behind. The thing is, you put it behind a paywall. You alienate a lot of people. People are already paying for Netflix. They're paying for this. They're paying for that. Nobody cares about CBS All Access. I've got it. You've got it. But we're Star Trek fans. So yeah. we're so we're going to do it because we love Star Trek and we love having access to all that in one place. I, That's cool. I will say it's gotten better, um, especially since they've added uh, Comedy Central portals on there. Yeah. Like yeah, old school I, episodes like Reno 911, which is and, and they're not and, and if and, and they're not stupid enough to take Star Trek off of all the other streaming services. They're not stupid enough to take it from uh, Amazon Prime, take it Hulu, from uh, Hulu, and all that. They're not going to do that because they make too much money off of that. They yeah. already know people. People, those are the main platforms that people have. CBS All Access is ironically being converted into into Paramount streaming services. And, you know, honestly, though, I'm all right with that because Paramount's got a lot of good-ass movies. Uh, that's, that's, another, that's, another, that's another perk. And I, I'm excited, too, for that because I think that that's going to open the door. I love the fact that Paramount and Viacom finally settled their differences and yes. emerged into one company because that's what needed to happen. 
That's why we got, that's the reason why we got J.J. Trek. That's the reason why we got Discovery, and it's so weird and, and, we, yeah. and strange with what they did crap. canon, all this weird stuff, because of the company, the two separate companies. But now yeah. that they're all under one umbrella, now you should really, they should really be able to do it right. They have no excuse. Season three of Discovery had better be, had better be something special, or they're gonna, or they know they're gonna, <laughs> they're gonna end up having to let it go. Yeah. Uh, didn't they say that the third season would be the last season? Uh, I thought they said I've that. Both. I thought they I've said it's. Um, they say that it might be the last, but they also tentatively say that they're scheduling a fourth season. So wow. I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure on that one. I mean, honestly, I think they're. I think they've got a more. I think they've got more. Uh, they've got more in the tank. If they do that, if they end up do end up doing that Pike series, and that takes off. Yeah. That could be something that could be something big. Honestly, I you know, as much as I don't think that they should do that series as a classic Star Trek fan, I want them to do it because I want to see more Pike adventures. And I think yeah. Anson I think Anson I think Anson Mount is too good of a good of a actor and yeah. he's too good in that role not to use him again. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I have to, I mean, uh, so I I have to concede that as much as I, I, I may think that it might not be a great idea to do that, I'm I'm open to it just solely based on that alone. And like you said, it's the Enterprise. So exactly. it'll be interesting. And Rebecca Romaine's playing Majel Barrett's character. So, like, I, I can get behind that as well. Like, the yeah. only thing I'm kind of bummed is that they didn't extend a handout to Marina Sirtis for voice in the computer. Oh, I know that that'd be wonderful. Really would be because just 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 the little nod to everyone who uh, loved Luoxana Troy because she was one of my favorite characters on Next Gen. I mean, just her eccentricity alone uh, made those episodes uh, hilarious. <laughs> and one of the yeah. best Picard memes comes from one of those episodes too, <clears throat> where he basically declares his love for Luoxana. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, as a Star Trek fan, I'm cautiously optimistic moving forward. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we have a lot more to look forward to than certain other franchises. You know, like, like right now, what's there to look forward to with Marvel? I mean, yeah, well, I to me, to me, Marvel. Marvel, Marvel ended with me, ended for me with Endgame. So I really don't care what they do next. I'm yeah. done. I, I'm out. Like they, they, they will not. They won't get me back in for anything else that they do because, as far as I'm concerned, they blew their wad too quickly. I, yes. I just don't. Yes. I don't. I don't have any. See, this is why I'm. I'm such a. This is why it. 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 it this is the biggest. The biggest thing when you when you look at where we are in terms of being fans of DC and then Marvel, you, with DC, Zack Snyder was trying is trying to give us something. Trying it was trying to do it slowly. It was trying to build to get these characters to where they are are going to be. And Marvel, I'm not going to say they did it quickly because it took them ten years to get to Endgame, but I feel like Endgame still should be something that they shouldn't have done until like far 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 into the future yeah, it's a book to be honest with you they should have they should have did secret wars they should have did secret wars 2 they should have did a bunch of other 
big Marvel storylines before they even got anywhere near Endgame. Yeah. And it's hypothetical stuff. Like, are they going to bring the X-Men in somehow? Or are they going to bring in the Fantastic Four? Which I would, I would I, like you know, to see. You know, I, you know for, me, for me, the definitive Fantastic Four movie is the Roger Corman Fantastic Four from the 1990s. <laughs> I, I think it's the definitive Fantastic Four movie. I feel like it's just perfect. It like it's it's so flawed that it's that it's fantastic, and the way it looks because of the quality of the source of that's a, that's available for us to watch. I got it on Blu-ray, and the quality of it it looks like it it looks like it was made in the nineteen seventies, and it has a it has a it has a very uh, classic Marvel B-movie. comics feel to B movie feel to it. And it reminds me a lot, like almost like how you know the 1970s Incredible Hulk series was, which, which to me is still my f- all-time favorite uh, Incredible Hulk uh, live action. So I I think that the I think that you know Fantastic Four. I, I don't know why why they failed so many times with Fantastic Four. I feel like it's ca- it's karma for what they did to that 1990s Fantastic Four movie, because that Fantastic Four movie, to me, is a really good movie. I love it. I watch it I watch it a lot. I, I, I will say I've probably seen the movie about 100 times. I, th- I, th- I think it's that good. I think it's that well done, uh, particularly because of the cast. I think the cast is spot on. They resemble the characters perfectly. It has the amount of camp and cheese that you need for Fantastic Four without being too goofy. And it's it's awesome. I don't know. Yeah. I think that was kind of the one with 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 the Silver Surfer and the the original Fantastic Four with the you know uh, Jessica Alba and stuff like that. Don't get me wrong; she was basically the highlight of both those movies. Um, <laughs> I think they really screwed up on the thing. Um, well, yeah, those movies I don't I don't those movies I don't count. Those movies I don't even I don't even look at. Those movies I think are are just uh, you know those are piss poor attempts. Yeah. They should they should have properly released the Roger Corman version. And you know, those movies I, I don't know what Fox was doing with those movies, but now they're owned by Disney, so you better believe that at some point Disney is gonna inject Fantastic Four into the MCU. They're gonna have to. Because they don't because they don't have I mean, what what else are they gonna do? If you don't they bring in the Fantastic Iron Four, you yeah, you you you're you're you've gotta bring you've gotta bring back the Fantastic Four. Although I wouldn't say I wouldn't say don't 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 think that Iron Man's going to stay dead either. No, no, he's they'll find some way to bring back uh, Tony Stark, even if they even if it's a through a through a time thing, or if they just continue to use him in flashbacks or whatever. But they'll find a way to continually inject him throughout the throughout the movies. They're not going to. I wouldn't even put it past them to do an Iron Man four at some point. To be honest, yeah. So I'd say my my enthusiasm's more on par with. Um, the DC going forward, I think. Uh, with their oh putting, yeah, well DC, I'm at, I'm at uh, DC. I'm at an all time high. I've never been more excited or more yeah. happy to be a DC fan than I am right now. Particularly mm-hmm. with what we what we've learned, how we're going to get an HBO. Where it looks like we're going to get an HBO Ben Affleck Batman series. Where we're we're looking at. I mean, we're looking at the Snyder cut. We got all this great stuff to look forward to. 
Wonder Woman 84 might come out sometime in the next five years. We need to be, <laughs> we should be, we should be really, really excited as DC fans. And I'm, and like I said, I, I, you know, I feel like, I feel like DC has the advantage right now. It's DC's, it's DC's game to lose because Marvel is kind of taking a hiatus. Yeah. Nobody cares about WandaVision. I just got to be. I, we just got to be honest. Yeah, no. Well, Who I gives a damn about the Black Widow movie? I'm like, that's why. I, if it, if it would have been, if they would have released Black Widow on Disney Plus, I think, yeah. I think people would have flocked to it. I it honestly think changer. they'd have made some money. Disney yeah. would have made some money, but instead mm-hmm. they decided to drop Mulan on there under a paywall, and people are like, "Are you nuts?" Nobody wanted to watch that in the first place. Like, <laughs> Nobody asked for it. You listen. You got an awesome animated Mulan movie. Why do you want to see some bastardized live action? That's what I don't understand. You got. You got. They did the same thing with Aladdin. They did the same oh, thing with the Lion King. Why remake them with live action if you're not going to do them right? Why? Yeah. Don't put. Don't make them musicals. Is all I have to say. It's like okay, the cartoons were musicals. If you're gonna make it live action, make it somewhat serious. Was Mulan was Mulan a musical? I don't know if it was the 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 no, live action. Mulan, uh, uh, no, Mulan wasn't, but the, Aladdin was. Oh my god! Oh and my god! It drove god. me nuts. I was like, you know, you know, I up. the moment Will Smith started singing, I turned it off. Yeah, I, I'm not. I, I don't understand it. I I will acknowledge that Will Smith is a talented actor. I will acknowledge that in his heyday, Will Smith was a good rap artist. But one thing I will not acknowledge is Will Smith as a singer. He does not have a singing voice. You do not go from Ryan from Robin Williams who was who was iconic as the genie in the animated Aladdin to Will Smith singing. You just don't do that and expect me to be on board. I you know I I don't understand what Disney's what Disney's smoking man they screw up they screw up their own franchises they screwed up Star Wars and now they're expecting you know the only I swear to God if it wasn't for the Mandalorian I would not even be interested in anything on Disney Plus at this point yeah the Mandalorian is only good because we just we we thankfully have people in charge of the Mandalorian who actually care about Star Wars. That's the only reason. I mean, Mandalorian is like, you're, you're like, uh, when you compare Mandalorian to those sequel movies, you're just scratching your head. Like, yeah, really? Was this all like, like what really? What, 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 like, are you serious? Yeah. And it's kind of like, that's how I feel. I, I think like lower decks is the Mandalorian of Star Trek. <laughs> Especially since the last episode, they brought uh, John Delancey back. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to to this to to Mandalorian season two, which we have coming next month. By the way, oh, it's going to be so nice. It's going to be so nice, and it's so exciting to to get into to to look at that and to have something new. So close, right around the corner, and mm-hmm. I, and I and I hope it's good because it's got a lot. It's got a lot to live up to because season one just was really was a game changer. Oh, it set the bar. Season one told basically told studios streaming services 
are viable. That's what season one ta- taught people. Like, okay, now now you know that streaming services are serious. And that was the thing. That that was the show that started that streaming service. I mean, I wouldn't have gotten it if it hadn't have been for Mandalorian. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, And I'm tired of subscribing to streaming services already. I'm already sick of it. I've got HBO Max, Netflix, Disney+. Plus. Uh, yeah, CBS I All Access. I don't want another one. I don't, and I I hope I don't have to get another one. I I've been I've been dabbling a little bit with with Peacock through NBC because they got some, but at least Peacock is free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can handle a couple ads and stuff like that. Right. I you know that's the other thing. I don't care about ads. The ads don't bother me when it comes to TV shows because if you've been watching enough TV shows, you're used to on network TV. You're used to commercials. So who cares? Like, I grew up in the '90s, man. Commercials right. Are everywhere. Who, who cares? <laughs> who cares about commercials? If you grew up in the '80s and '90s, you know about commercials. You don't. It doesn't bother you to have to sit through commercials on a streaming service. Although, I, I, and that's one thing I, I love about Netflix. Netflix doesn't have commercials. Yes. And that's that's a great that's a great thing. Netflix has a lot of quality stuff. And but like I said, I don't want to. I, I don't want to have to sign up for another for another paywall to watch something else. So I'm kind of hoping that this is this is where it'll be. We won't have to worry about it anymore for well, a while. I'm off on uh, HBO Max. I had it when it first came out, but um, I got tired of the DC content wasn't there as much. Um, it kind of is now, but I'm waiting for the Snyder Cut before I re-up that. Oh, yeah, no, no. HBO Max is the only streaming service if I had to cancel every streaming service I have, I would keep HBO Max. Just because they're giving us the Snyder Cut. I will never cancel HBO Max because HBO Max, they're actually listening to us. They're giving us things that we, that we want. They're giving us the Snyder Cut. They're going to give us a Ben Affleck thing. They're giving us this, that. They're going to be, it's, their K, AT&T is catering to fans. So I'm going to so I'm going to return the favor. Like I said, if I'm down to my last my la- my last 12 bucks for the month and I'm like I got to cancel every streaming <laughs> service and the only one I can have, I can only have one, I'm keeping HBO Max and all the rest of them can go. Mm-hmm. Cuz all the rest of them have done things to have done things to offend me at one point or another. Fucking CBS yeah. with with what they did with Picard. Uh, you know, uh Netflix They've made some questionable decisions lately. Uh, yeah. You know, you know, Hulu. I can't. Oh, Hulu. I can't stand. The only I, reason. Yeah. The only reason I have a Hulu account is because of my parents. My parents love Hulu, so I have Hulu mainly for them. So I've got that bundle where you get Hulu, ESPN, and uh, oh, Disney the, Plus Disney all Plus, in yeah. one. That's a good but, deal. But I don't. But I don't. I can't get into Hulu. I used to like Hulu about five, six years ago. Hulu used to be great. They they would have like they had a lot of like independent stuff. They had a lot of like eighties and nineties anime. They had a lot of things that were that was up my alley back then. And now they've become this this like entity and I, I don't know what they are now. I can't even I go on there, I can't even navigate through the through the menus i get i get like i get like a headache just navigating through through yeah. hulu's thing so i don't use hulu at all i um 
I, I don't even I don't care what they what ends up on Hulu. I just I won't watch it. Yeah. Oh, and then I have Amazon Prime because I have a Prime account. But Prime is I mean Prime is another thing that'll never go because I use Prime for you know the shipping. Yeah, and, I was gonna say the shipping the, is well worth it. So so Prime is just so Prime is just you know another one that'll never go anywhere because you, yeah, you I feel like you, I feel like you need it because you save so much money. It, oh, it, it, shipping it, alone, I mean, Prime, it, Prime pays for itself. Yes. <laughs> it really does. Like I was he, trying to explain that to my dad. I'm like, Dad, it pays for itself. He's like, What do you mean? Buy three or four packages. <laughs> yeah, like, like I paid for. I bought earlier in the year. I bought a. I tra- I changed my. I was on the monthly plan for Prime, and I switched to the annual. And I felt like, Oh my God, this is like the best thing I could have did. Like yeah. I'm not being charged for it every month, and I'm sitting here like this is great. Just pay once a year. You pay. You drop a hundred, a hundred and like ten bucks a year, and you and you and you got and you got Prime, and you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to think about it. And I order so much stuff from Amazon, especially now during the pandemic. Oh yeah, absolutely. you order stuff. You order stuff through Am, and people order stuff online more than anything else. They were already ordering stuff online prior to this. And yeah. now with the pandemic, you have even more people ordering stuff online. So you, so yeah, you're going to save so much money, and you get your stuff through Amazon so quickly too. It's yeah. just, it's just to me, well, it's that, a no. The originals a, on Amazon are really good. Oh I mean, yeah, and it's a no brainer to have have it for 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 the for the video and for all that. Not to mention the you know all the rest of the benefits but yeah I love Prime. Are you Now are you an Audible fan? Do you listen to audiobooks and audio dramas and that kind of stuff? Yes, I do. Um as a matter of fact, um all of the new Disney canon books that they've come out with um I have them on Audible. Okay. Yeah, I love Audible. I really do. I think Audible is another really fantastic really a fantastic thing too to have and I, I i love it yeah i i i couldn't get enough of it and i'm a big fan of like audio dramas and stuff like uh the the new i don't know if you got the new sandman audio that came out the sandman audio drama that came out that's based off the comic oh my god it's fantastic oh, that sounds pretty good oh it's really great now the really last great. audio drama i got was uh dooku jedi lost okay which is really, really good, uh, by the way. It uh, kind of tells three different time periods of Count Dooku's life, um, starting out when he was a, like a youngling and stuff like that, where he met sifo and okay. tells middle age and then later on. Um, and it t- talks about how his descent, or why he left the Jedi Order. Wow, nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. I, yeah, I... Uh... I just got uh, last month. I got Dune because oh. they did a full cast version of Dune, where they have like different actors acting out different roles, and it's on Audible, and it, and it says now soon to be a major motion picture. So I went and got that, and I and I, I have yet to start listening to it. I was, you know. Um, I've been listening to I, I've been listening to a lot of audio and I like, but I, I but what I like the most is full cast audio dramas where they take the story, they give you actors, sound effects, where it's essentially a movie, but you just don't see the visuals. 
Yeah, that's how this Count Dooku one is. And um, I've got like, and that Count Dooku one that's on Audible. Yeah. Cool. I'll have to get it because I, I listen to a lot of the. I'm also a big fan of Big Finish and Doctor Who, so I listen to a lot of the. I get a lot of the Doctor Who uh, audio dramas through there, and um, there've been there've been a few Star Trek ones, not as many as I'd like there to be, but there've been a few Star Trek ones out there. There was one out about the Borg. Uh, there was one. I think there was one done about the eugenics wars. There was a few different ones that were uh, fully cast. But um, yeah, and of course, there's a ton of Star Wars ones out there. I mean, the the Star Trek Star Wars radio dramas are legendary. Well, yeah, especially the ones that they made back in the day. But the one thing I do kind of like about, with especially with the Disney ones, I mean, yeah, it pissed a lot of people off when they threw EU canon out the door. But it was kind of disjointed and everywhere to begin with. But now that they have it all under one thing, every book that you read is a continuation of the story. So it definitely did a really good job of filling in the blanks between, you know, episodes six and seven, and then some of the stuff that happened in between some of the sequels. It gave a backstory to Phasma, which I'm really disappointed that we never got to explore, because her, her book was amazing. So now is she dramatized in this Dooku book? Um, not Phasma, but um, let's see, uh, Ventress is. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, I'm definitely gonna get it. I'm gonna go on my audio Audible account. I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably get it when I get my next credit through Audible because I definitely wanna uh, wanna check that out, especially if it's fully cast. I love full cast. It's it's just yeah. Because when well, it feels it, it, more yeah. like a movie when they do that, and it's like <laughs> well, like back in the day with the old tele, tele you know, not television ones, but like old radio dramas where it was yeah, like worlds like, like the that. Twilight Zone ones. Oh, those are great. I've got all of those. Uh, I, I like I downloaded all of the Twilight Zone radio dramas, and a lot of them are just like uh, reenactments of of the TV episodes. Oh, but wow. they're just but they're just as good like it's 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 incredible to me like I, but I thought about it I'm like back in the day back then you know people not everybody had you know not everybody had TVs so you figure like these radio dramas were probably like the next best thing cuz everybody had a radio yeah that's true well, there's another one uh, that Star Wars does. It's not necessarily a, it has a different uh, big name actors and actresses reading different storylines, uh, but it's called From a Certain Point of View. It tells a new hope from another point of view. So it's like telling the story of the two dudes that were watching the escape pod leave and then them getting in trouble afterwards or trying yeah. to cover it up. So it's like little things like that. Um, it also kind of delves into some of the Obi-Wan stuff that he had in his head when he got killed. Um, you know, kind of flashing back to certain times. Um, another book that uh, just came out last year was uh, Master and Apprentice. And it uh, basically is uh, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon getting to know each other. So s- stories like that, like where you can get an origin story for a character that does it and then you don't have to take up too much screen time and you could tell it by a story i kind of i kind of enjoy that 
Oh wow! So, master, master and apprentice was pretty good, huh? Yes. What other do you know? What other Star Disney Star Wars ones are full cast? Because I'm adding them all to my wish list right now as we speak. Are there uh, any others? Think, no, those are just the ones that are full cast. But as far as highlights and stuff like that, well, uh, no, no, no. Like the full. So the full cast one is Dooku, and then what other one? Oh uh, no. Uh, from a certain point of view, that's that's cast with a bunch of people. From a certain point of view, okay. Yeah. Let me let me add that one too. I'm going to get all these. Wow, yeah. that's great. And then uh, I like the Thrawn books. Um, they're pretty good. Um, it kind of runs concurrent with uh, Star Trek, uh, Star Trek, Star Wars Rebels, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, they just came out with another one about two months ago. Now, did you did you uh, read the Ahsoka novel that they came out with? Is that any yes. good? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, it does a really good job of kind of telling that last battle on Mandalore uh, for a little bit, and then it uh, kind of goes into her becoming Fulcrum and her getting a lights her lightsabers back. So it explain kind of explains the white uh, of the crystal, which is cool. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, dude. I'm I'm excited. I can't wait. I particularly can't wait to hear this Dooku novel, man. I'm looking forward to that. I'm gonna definitely uh, get that. You know, get that next. It's on my list. I mean, it's it's not Star Trek related in terms of our in terms no, of the show, but, but but you know what? I'm excited. I'm excited Count for Dooku is one of those uh, Star one of those characters in Star Wars, especially in the prequels. I mean, that if we would have gotten a little more explanation as to who he was and why he was there, I think it would have. He, he, his whole experience would have had a lot more weight. You know, you know what what Star War, what kind of Star, what Star Wars story I'd like to see done as an audio drama. I'd love to see them take uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn and do his books in a full cast audio uh, format. Pretty good. I think yes. Thrawn is a brilliant character, and the Thrawn novels that I that I've read were always enjoyable and amazing and I'd love to see him done in audio. I mean he that's another character missed opportunity for the big screen. They need to bring yes. him they need to bring him over to the big screen for sure. Which Well fingers crossed Mandalorian season two man. Mandalorian season oh two. my God. Yeah Mandalorian season two looks like it's gonna be it's gonna be like chuck full of characters it's gonna be like the multiverse of Star Wars. <laughs> and you know what's gonna be messed up is it's not gonna be anything like that it's just gonna be <laughs> we're all this speculation and we never learned our lessons you know do you notice that that we're Ian, do you know that when we when we speculate about these kinds of things it's so funny how we do that and we're always wrong yes. <laughs> everybody is always wrong but yet we still do it it's like it's it's so funny like you read all these rumor sites you can go back on the internet remember when all the like back when all the rumors were coming out, like you and me going on Trek movie, reading about yeah. all the rumors for Into Darkness, it's always wrong. It's never what we think it's going to be. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then it, it really hit a fevered pitch with like, the Last Jedi and stuff. And then I told myself, I'm never doing that again. I'm never burying myself in speculation. And the first thing I did. Oh yeah, La- you know what? Last Jedi, Last Jedi broke people's spirit. It really did. And I really feel like people that are, I I don't like to, you know, because I feel like all film is subjective. So I don't like to like say, oh, you like, like Last Jedi. You just don't understand Star Wars. You're stupid. Da, 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 da. I don't feel that way about people. I just feel like 
they view they see Star Wars differently than I do. Yeah, exactly. That's and really it, the it, only it way you can explain. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Although Into Darkness, I, I just to me, nah. if you're if you're a Star Trek fan, you should be offended by Into Darkness. You really yeah, should that, be. That if you're not, if you're not, I, I don't know. I don't understand why. Because I've seen Star Trek fans defend Into Darkness and say. Well, you know, Khan, you know, he can be up there. It's like it's like the arguments that they use to defend him, it's weak because it doesn't make sense. And then did you see how they made that tie-in comic book where they tried to where they tried to explain why Khan looks different in Into Darkness? Did you see that? Did you see that tie-in comic book? No. There's a tie-in comic book called Star Trek Khan that ties into the ties into Into Darkness and explains that Khan went through some sort of uh, cosmetic cosmetic surgery change before he uh, before he was cryogenically it is so it is so convoluted but at least it's a story that explains why he, he looks, looks different British instead of Middle Eastern. he looks British instead of Middle Eastern right because in the comic book, <laughs> He looked like Ricardo Montalban. They made him look like, you know, the Middle Eastern, uh, you know, character. But then in the, but then, uh, you know, it show it shows all this stuff and it gives reasons and there's actually a plot. I'd have to go back and reread the comic book, but the comic book is so convoluted and ridiculous that it's almost like I could, I'm like, they could have did this in like a montage in like five minutes and explained it at the beginning of Into Darkness if they were going to go this route. Yeah. And I mean, then that would... Yeah, and that would have, you know, that would have eased a little bit of the criticism. But for it to just come out of nowhere, when he looks, the dude looks like Gary Mitchell, and was being, when we were being told he was Gary Mitchell the entire time, I don't know. But final thoughts, man, I, you know, I think Lower Decks is good. I think Lower Decks is a step in the right direction. What about you? Uh, yes, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, as far as the new iterations of Trek, Lower Decks is as uh, close as you're going to get to, you know, what Trek used to be, in my opinion. So I think uh, staying positive uh, for it hasn't been that hard. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm actually looking forward to it. We got a new episode next week, don't we? Yeah, uh, Thursday. So, oh, this week, Thursday, yeah. this week, uh, it's a new week. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I'm caught up. I watched every episode I, again. Uh, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing where they go with it. And this is a series I wouldn't mind them doing multiple seasons of because we're, uh, you know, because it's it's fun. It's something fun and exciting. And so I want to thank you, Brian. For being here with me tonight, this was fantastic. Well, yeah. uh, we, we got we got to talk about Star Trek more often. This is a lot of fun. Uh, in fact, we should probably we should probably do another uh, do another episode after the after the third season of Discovery airs, so we can yeah, kind of so break that down. Yeah. yeah, that would be fun. And uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. You've been listening to the Zod Rider Show on PSN Radio dot com. Uh, next. Next Tuesday night on the Zod Rider Show, I will have Sil Abdul from Sil Abdul Inc. live on the show to talk about his new transitions to the stuff that he's currently doing. He, uh, 
member of the Four Nerds. So definitely listen in for that. And uh, Brian, tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, yeah, you can find me uh, mostly on uh, YouTube. Uh, my channel is called The Master of None, um, where I basically talk uh, nerd stuff, Star Star Trek, Star Wars. And um, since football season's going and I'm a football fan, I'm probably going to start talking a little bit about sports, um, even though I know most of y'all are into that other stuff. But uh, other than that, yeah, that's where you can find me. Okay. And, and I will see everyone uh, this Thursday night on the... For Nerds, where we will be interviewing uh, Mr. West Ashley of the Go Deep podcast at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Good night, everyone.